Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. This is Go Big or Go Home. Joshua Perry, Ahmed Fareed, Matt Castle in our bunker in South Bend at Notre Dame Stadium. Yes. This is probably the best setup that we get. Most room that we get. For sure. Broadcast like a champion today. I think we might have done that. I think we did that throughout the day. We just have to finish the job. All right. So finishing the job entails talking about all the Big Ten games for this week, but also our honorary Big Ten teams. Sure. Notre Dame, honorary Big Ten team. USC will be a Big Ten team next year. So that one makes total sense. And actually, we'll we'll dip into a little bit of Oregon and and Washington as well. So that's a little uh, tease of what we have to come here. It's our promise each and every week to you that we will talk about every game in the Big Ten and plus a couple here. So let's just start with the game that we were at. We just we just saw it. And I'm not going to act like I'm some expert, but I did come into South Bend this weekend with Notre Dame taking on the number 10 team in the country, USC. And I said, I think Notre Dame is going to win by two touchdowns. Mm. So you're an expert. So I'm an expert. Now, no, they, now they won expert. by a lot more than that. Actually, that's true. I was way <laughs> off. I was two touchdowns off. Um, Matt, this is your alma mater. It was. They came to... South Bend. This is a big rivalry, the mm-hmm. biggest intersectional rivalry in college football, they it say. Is. Uh, and they lose 48 to 20, and they make Caleb Williams look human, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Sacked him, I think, eight times, three interceptions. I mean, how they how sacked him? Yep, they sacked him six times. Oh. And I think they had like 10 tackles for loss 11. in this game. 11 yeah, tackles for 11. loss in this game. You know, and you got to give credit to Al Golden, the, the defense coordinator for Notre Dame, right? He had a plan to contain Caleb Williams, to make him uncomfortable all game long, to try to make him play within the pocket and not let him escape and had a plan in rush lanes and everything else, and it was executed beautifully. And you saw it in the first half. First interception happens, sets up an easy touchdown. Second interception, they get a tip ball, but at the same time, defensive coverage on the back end, I thought was solid all day long. And in the third, once again, what happens when you start to feel that pressure and the sense of urgency goes up and then all of a sudden you have a guy like Caleb Williams that's used to making those plays, he forces the ball downfield once again, sets them up, and they capitalize on every one of those. So the defensive unit for Notre Dame really, to me, was the story of the game because they set their offense, offense up with opportunities to score every single time. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because I do think they were the story of the game and everybody has a game plan coming in. And um, we had talked earlier in the week about what you kind of try to do to contain Caleb. And then, you know, I sat in coaches' meetings this week, and Al Golden described the plan. I thought it was a really good plan. Every plan sounds pretty good on paper. True statement. you got to go out there and actually execute it. And they did to perfection. And you talked about the rush plan. 
And I thought that was the most important thing right. that they had to achieve. And they did that. But one of the things that Al Golden talked about was he believed that they had guys in that secondary who he could put in man-to-man situations and they could win. Mm -hmm. And they did. And there were some penalties in there, of course, because USC's got really good players and they're going to catch some balls. But, like, majority of those battles, they won them. And I think that is the the biggest part. Like, you know, we talk about football as a complementary sport. And I think on even on the sides of the ball, it is very complimentary where the rush has to help out the secondary. The secondary has got to give time for the rush to get there. Um, then you make a bigger picture for this game is the defense set up the offense to be able to score points on a short field against the defense in USC that was struggling. You have a special teams touchdown as an Huge, answer as an to answer. USC going right. down and, and having a big special teams play and scoring themselves. Mm-hmm. Like that is the way that you're able to dominate a team like USC. It was They executed everything they needed to. To perfection. And I have to point out, look, Xavier Watts today, mm-hmm. the dude showed up to play. It yeah, might have did, been right? the greatest defensive game in Notre Dame history. Like, dude was I mean, dude was balling. Interceptions. Two interceptions. Forced, two interceptions. Scoop and forced, score. Scoop and score. That forced fumble that he created. And then, what was it, the fumble recovery at the end right yeah. there? I think he forced a fumble I mean, at the end, but yeah. yeah. That's all time, yep. especially from that position. I mean, that he just showed up to play, play, played out in the biggest game. I mean, you've got to feel good for him because that, that, that's a big moment for him. This is the and you know the rivalry games too, yeah, right, buddy? You got to show up, and these are legacies that people are going to remember his performance it's tonight. Where legends are made, right? right. Like I don't want to overstate it, but to your point, if you're going to ball out like that, is I mean, this is the perfect game to do it. Um, so, you're yeah. saying doing it against Central Michigan doesn't quite have it the doesn't same feel effect. the same as doing it against the reigning Heisman Trophy winner in USC. Right, but I bring that to people's attention because a lot of time we concentrate on the skill players. We right. try to concentrate on the quarterback. We try to concentrate on the running back or a guy that has a big day at the wide receiver position. But rarely do you sit there and watch a guy take over a game from the safety position. Yeah, and I will say too, and this won't be the first time I say it on this show today. I think that possessing the football is the most important aspect of the game. And from a defensive standpoint, you have opportunities. It's first off by getting stops and keeping drives short. Right. The second thing is by taking the freaking football away and giving it right to your offense. Right. Or just scoring on defense. And all of those things occurred. Right. It was uh, possessing the ball, though. This is the crazy thing. You look at the team stats for this game. It's insane. USC won time of possession sure. handily in this one. 35 minutes almost. Notre Dame had it for 25 minutes. You look at total yards. USC won 302 to 251. You look at first downs. They had 10 more first downs than Notre Dame. But the sacks, the negative plays, and the turnovers, it was all – you add that all up, and it's a blowout the other way. I mean, listen, when you go one play drive for two yards, it took three seconds off the clock. Time possession don't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Like mm-hmm. – the idea is your offense has the ball with the chance to do something with it, and that's where Notre Dame ended up for most of the game. And it wasn't that the USC defense. I know that they're, they're, they're going to catch hell for no reason. They're get, yeah, they get, they're going to catch people hell, and people are going to criticize them, and yeah. they see the 48. But, look, Notre Dame, once again, was 3 of 10 on third down. Right. right? They didn't yeah. – they didn't possess the ball. They didn't move the ball, but they were set up in great Same situations. That's yards. what I'm saying. He hit the Chris Tyree in the third <laughs> yes. quarter. They had a special teams touchdown, and they were in the red zone all night long because of the turnovers, yeah. right? There's two defensive touchdowns in this or one defensive touchdown in this game, one special teams touchdown. USC's defense actually played 
better than I thought that they were going to, but it was the opportunities that the defensive side of the ball gave to the Notre Dame offense. Has USC's defense held a power five opponent to 250 yards in a game? No. They gave up 500 yards last week to Arizona. And so they're going to catch hell, and I understand why. But uh, if you watch the game, it doesn't make That's any what, sense. Right. Lincoln Riley, I talked to him running off the field at halftime. He said to me, he's like, look at the three turnovers. He's yeah. like, when they've had to drive the whole field, our defense has held up pretty well. And yeah. that really was a story for them, despite giving up 48 points. Uh, one more thing. Yes. How does this change our opinion of Caleb Williams? Um, so I'll say this. I don't know how much it actually changes my opinion, because I still think that he is an explosive player. I still think that he has um, unique talents that you cannot teach. My biggest criticism of Caleb Williams is if he has to operate from the pocket and cannot extend plays, can he be efficient? If he is a guy who has to throw the ball from a well with pressure in his face, can he be efficient? If he is a guy who actually has to like be in a system and can't play backyard football, is it an effective way for them to move the football? And I think this game kind of confirmed it. Now it's over the top because nobody's supposed to get sacked six times and be successful. Right. I also think part of that is if we put the clock on half of those sacks, he's probably holding on to the football way longer than you expect the quarterback to hold on to it. Right. And that's the one thing I said this in pregame. I said, there's so much more room to grow. He has, his ceiling is so high, right? Because of just the instincts that he plays with his ability to manipulate the pocket, get outside and his escapability. But working, I think where the growth comes from is working within the framework of the system taking the easy throw, working through his progression. And he does that at times, but I think that there's other times where he's looking to make the big play. We'll bypass an open wide receiver. And, and that's the interesting part about his game is because, and we even talked about uh, to Lincoln Riley about it. And we said, you know, sometimes you'll see him blatantly bypass a wide open wide receiver and not get to a second read. And then he'll scramble around and make that big play. And you can do that against Arizona. Right. You can do that against certain teams, but, it, against really good competition, what ends up happening is you make the plays like you did tonight, right? And so you have to be sound in that area for you to make it at the next level. Not so much here as much as it is at the next level. No doubt. So Caleb Williams no longer the Heisman favorite. He probably was going into this game, I would think. Undefeated USC. Or- for sure. I think it might have been – the odds might have flipped to Penix before this one, but I think he was still top two. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, Penix is definitely He's solidly in the one. lead here. <laughs> yeah. To our other soon-to-be Big Ten teams, real quick, let's talk about Washington's come-from-behind win against Oregon. Michael Penix Jr., the late touchdown pass. They get the win. Washington stays undefeated. Oregon loses for the first time. You guys were watching the end of this game. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah, I mean, this is another one of those uh, where I say possession is the most important aspect of the game. And I know people are criticizing Dan Lanning for all the fourth right. down calls and, and specifically that one was around midfield in the fourth quarter. And what I like to say to that is field goals, probably not winning that football game, like kicking a bunch of them um, and punting the ball back to Washington, probably not going to help you win that football game because Washington is an offense that can drive the length of the field, like pinning them back doesn't do very much. And they had some, some drives that started, you know, deep in their own territory and they were able to move it. Um, so from that aspect, I totally get it. You give your kicker a chance at the end. You miss the, the field goal. That's tough. Uh, both of these teams, I think, showed me a lot where Oregon was still pretty balanced in their approach. Um, they had 204 rush yards, 377 through the air. Washington was who they were. Um, but I don't know who's got the defense to stop Michael Penix Jr. first off. 
the also, res- the wide receivers. receivers? <laughs> oh my god! And, and it's a quarterback's dream. Right? Yeah, buddy. They have so many things going for yeah, them yeah. on the offensive side of the ball. They I think do. DeBoer is maybe one of the best, if not the best, play caller in all of college DeBoer, football. DeBoer, I three. mean, it's the most exciting offense to watch. Honestly, formationally, the diversity that they bring, in, the different looks, and then the pressure that they put on a defense because they're constantly doing pre pre-snap movements right from one side to the other then motion a guy over i mean they help facilitate these guys to get open and then not only that but then you've got three wide receivers i mean even today you had four or five wide receivers that all made plays that can go out on any given day and beat one-on-one opportunities but then you set them up for their success with a talented quarterback like michael Penix jr i mean they're so they're so much fun to watch i mean it's like watching a video game at times right um it's interesting, Joshua, because we, we go back and forth on this. Go go for it. You yeah. trust your offense, you know I'm right? Go for it, guy. Well, and I get it, yeah. right? Like you trust your offense, and you've seen it throughout the course of this season, right? With Oregon, with Washington, mm-hmm. but when you're looking at, I mean, Washington only put up 14 points in the second half, right? No, I totally get right. That. You're at midfield. You have the lead. There's there's that potential where you know what? Make him go that extra 40 yards. Make him make that one more big play to go take the lead in this game that I get it, man. I'm on both sides of it because for Oregon, you're like, look, I trust my offense, trust Bo Nix to make the right decision. But there's also that other side of me that's like, you know what? Make, make the defense make us, I mean, make, make that offense go 90, make them go 80. Yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying that philosophy is wrong. That's how a lot of coaches play too. And I, I think it's successful when you are somebody whose philosophy is to be aggressive like that. It doesn't work unless you do it every time. Like, right. like when you talk to anal- analytics people, they'll tell you you can't pick and choose when to be an analytics guy because the numbers don't bear out that way. Right. In the long run. Right. And that's that's what you're looking at. You're looking at a data set that's been you know given to you over the span of years, not just a sample size from a single game or from a couple of drives. Um, and so I like basically the point is there's a reason why I'm not coaching because I would be that guy. But it exposes you because you right. can look at everything in retrospect and say you probably could have made a different decision, which you could have. Right. The outcome could have been differently. But I don't fault a guy for saying this is how I operate and I'm going to do it. I mean, let's be honest. Are Penix and Bo Nix one, two in the Heisman race? I right mean, you, you could make a comment after the or a, a, a case after this game. Bo Nix played pretty well. Heck, right. like, 33 of 44, 337 yards, two you're touchdowns. You're not telling me that dude's a bad quarterback, right? And so, no. like, I and, yes. and then the second question is, does Oregon hurt themselves in terms of their ranking, right? You know Washington's got to go up. This yes. is a huge win for them. Here's where I see Ranked Oregon. opponent. One loss, they, they are not out of anything. Right. Right? It's a three-point loss to a great team. Great On team. the road. Last and you, minute, and you set yourself up to tie the game late. And you got other games out there where if you can get wins and convincing wins, you're looking at the end of the year and saying, hey, we're right in the mix. USC yeah. was hurt the most today. They were. Out of those they three were. teams, they were. USC was hurt the most. Because it Notre was a Dame. definitive win. Was, like, they didn't just get beat. They got beat down. And the yeah. shine was off of Notre Dame, too. Yes. Particularly yep. after, after last little, week. Yeah, and so. USC's schedule coming up. Is, Boy, I mean, they got to they got it is going Here's my hot take for USC. Yeah. Three loss team by the end of the year. The, the plan is out there. I think it's on tape now. I think people get a little bit more confidence from watching tonight and what Notre Dame did. Sure. And the teams that they still have to play, I think it's going to be an uphill battle. 
I mean, they play Washington. They play Oregon. Hmm. I mean, the, these are legit teams. Even UCLA with that defensive yeah. structure that they have yeah. out there. I, mean, they probably have, I know that they, they, UCLA State struggle there. Washington oh, State. They Oregon State. Utah, they've got a lot they of still have Utah. Because Utah's going to smack them in the mouth. They right? have the last two years. <clears throat> All right. So I still think Washington definitely a, a playoff contending team. Washington Oregon's still when, in the mix. When the polls come out, if they're not in the top four, I'm, I'm going to be. USC is going to need to do some things, win out. Yeah. Who goes out of the top four then? Uh, Ohio State sitting there at three. They don't. They they got to win over Notre Dame, but I don't think that their resume looks as convincing as what now Washington would have. Right. I think FSU. Yeah. Oklahoma. Oklahoma to me, I feel like needs to be in there. And then you can do the thing with Georgia and Michigan. And who have they played? But they've looked. They're so going to get a pass right now, and they should. They've yes. handled business. Michigan specifically. Georgia has sputtered at times, yes. but you know, is going to get the pass. Michigan had seventeen yards. I mean, was it seventeen yards in the I first know. quarter? Right. Well, you know what? Yeah, yeah, so, you want to talk about the game, guys? You can't. Sorry. You can't control who you play. Oh, wait, actually, you can control who you play uh, in college football. Uh, uh, let's get to the Big Three and the Big Ten. The actual Big Ten teams right now. We'll start with your Buckeyes, Ohio State. Okay. We had them on Peacock. You had. Probably a bunch of messages in your texts and DMs like, oh, what's this Peacock thing? They were actually really nice because people said, oh, man, you know, I signed up for Peacock to watch this game only five ninety nine a month, which is a steal. <laughs> and they said there's so much good content yes. on there. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Best deal There's great, great it content. Is, you know, and it I don't is, just yeah. say that because they signed my paychecks, partly because they signed my paychecks, yes. partly because it's true. I watched Real Housewives uh, on there. There were a lot of people watching the game <laughs> earlier today, and they saw Can't Ohio State win 41-7 to at West Lafayette, kind of rainy, a little cool. Ohio State has allowed 58 points all season long. And I think, Joshua, this is a good win for them because they were down a lot of playmakers in this one. A couple running backs. uh, Henderson did, did not play. You had Mayan Williams did not play. And then in the game, even more running backs got banged up. Mecca Abuka. Mecca Abuka did not play. Yeah. So Marvin Harrison goes over 100 yards. I mean, to score 41 against a Ryan Walters team without those guys, that's a that's a good win. Yeah, I mean, I was I was satisfied with it because satisfied. there were no, there's really good moments. And there were also a couple of struggles where I feel like they can really sell heading into Penn State that if we do these things again, we're not going to win that football game. But Kyle McCord, wet ball, right, like threw it pretty well. Um, I still think that he needs to drive the ball a little bit more, but I'm overall pleased that he he seems to be taking steps week after week. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. was really big for them. I thought Xavier Johnson was really good too. And yeah, he was. Had a great story. Um and the running backs all stepped up, right? Chip goes down, and you're like, damn, we're top two guys are out, and now our, our number three guy's out. Dallin Hayden comes in there and runs it pretty well. Okay, um, dude. The offensive line looked like they were moving the line of scrimmage much better than they did a week ago, uh, which is a good sign there. And then I thought defensively, and I, I've been harping on this defense, and, and again, it's like, you know, the, the challenges will ramp up, but they have played really good ball. In the last couple of weeks, they've become more disruptive at the line of scrimmage, too, in terms of getting after the quarterback. Uh, so to me, a lot of stuff to build on. I think a lot of people are waiting to see mode until after they play Penn State next week. I mean, that's, that's going to be the real test. You know, we know that Purdue, you know, new head coach with Ryan Walters and everything else, and they've had up and down performances. Uh, Hudson Card, I mean – has been a little bit banged up. They're missing two offensive linemen. You know what I mean? 13 for 32 today. So, obviously, Ohio State's defense, especially on the back end, was able to shut him down. They were able to run the football a little bit with um, Devin Mockaby. Mm-hmm. 
early in the game. You saw some big runs early in the game, and then they settled in, right? Yeah. And they started to shut that down. Yeah. So, again, you're always impressed with Ohio State and the way that this game went. Again, the expectation level is what this score reflects. 41-7, an opponent that you expect to beat. They went out and beat them. Kyle McCord made made some throws down the field, but at the end of the day, some of those throws were more Marvin Harrison Jr. oriented than it was being on point as Kyle McCord. But I also, I'm a quarterback, and I'll tell you first and foremost, I hated rain. Like, I thought it sucked. Thought it was bullshit. I had nightmares about it. <laughs> I had nightmares about it the night this before is the, the game. I want all. The no, time. I mean I'm telling yeah. you, I, I was always sitting there going, "Oh, it's gonna, it's gonna bleep and rain tomorrow." I was more worried about the quarterback center exchange <laughs> than anything else. So, I give all these guys credit. Anytime you go out in bad weather, everybody wants to still judge you on. Oh, well, it wasn't that accurate. I was like, "Well, hell, I'm just trying to get it out of my." Can I get ask it you a my hands. question? Yeah, it's not a quarterback related. Where are you at on the gloves in the rain? Ooh. I hate gloves in the rain. I'm a big anti-glove for a guy. For, no, for, for the, the wide guy. receiver. For look, anybody. look, you get one drop. That that's my that's my deal. You get one drop. Otherwise, take your gloves off right they now. They had you two to say? start the game. Yeah, they did. Julian Fleming had the drop, and then Marv had a drop. Absolutely, you know how because I told you before the game about the gloves. Because players are used to what they're used to, yes. right? It's their routine. It's the cleats that they wear. It's the gloves that they wear. But the gloves and particular gloves like these old school newmans you remember right. the, newmans the leather and stuff, ones the leather yeah. ones you could wear those. you could still get a little bit there. yes but usually when you're in the rain look you can't like uh, you don't have the tacky stick yeah gloves. they they get slick they're yeah. not tacky they don't work when they're take wet. them off and you, ah. do you get one wait. drop so wait, I'm with you, you ever told her, did you ever 100 percent Take them off. If I was coaching, I, I would have told those guys, if I see you out there wearing, you better tape your fingers. If I see you yeah, out there that, wearing that, gloves, ooh. tape your fingers. Who's, well, the receiver? Who's the receiver you told to take your gloves off? Let's see. Welker used to wear gloves, and I remember one time. But he would do it by himself. Most guys, look, they're mental head cases. If they drop a ball, they'll start looking at their gloves. They're going to see them messing yeah, around, right? You can blame But in those – that's a perfect circumstance. They're like, oh, I started wearing the gloves, so maybe if I take it off on the television, like they'll see that it was the gloves, it wasn't me, right? Yeah. So most of these guys figure it out. But I, I, I always was a Dallas Clark fan yeah. back in the day because he was just old school, right? No, no gloves, it's cool. I got you, boom. Maybe you spray a little stick them on there, but you know it is what it is. And definitely no quarterback gloves. We don't do quarterback gloves. No, so, you know right? what? Can't Th- there, there's Teddy quarterbacks. I know. I played with Teddy two gloves. Yeah. And uh Teddy Teddy could rip it around yeah, with the gloves. Yeah. But I was like, what are you gonna do when that when it starts to rain? You we play in Minnesota and the first year he got there, we were playing out outside at Minnesota Stadium yeah. that we were And I was like, Man, that's but he had like a special kind of glove that you'd wear in those circumstances. I was like, Good for you. I can't. I can't so do it. Like he, I, I, he I had, had to feel the ball. I had to feel the letters. If you're a different glove, glove guy, yeah. If you're a glove what guy, a you're ahead of the curve. Yeah. Glove technology. This is why sure. people need to listen to the pod. You don't get this information anywhere else. <laughs> All right. So Ohio State wins. They got Penn State coming up next. Yes. So let's go over to Penn State okay. right now because they had a bye. Um, basically, they played at UMass. Wait, they didn't play at UMass. No. That was at Penn State. Yes. Um, they played Penn State at uh, State College. Sixty-three nothing was the final score. Penn State, 11 straight wins, each by a 14-point margin of victory at least. Over the last two seasons, no other FBS team has won by a 14-point margin in more than six straight games. So as much as we are ripping on Penn State against, you know, 
normal opponent. I'm not going to call UMass a normal opponent, but that they don't have the offense, that they're underachieving. They just keep beating people by two touchdowns, Joshua. It's the defense really leading the charge. And let's be perfectly clear about UMass. They're a bad football team, right? Like this is this game should not have been close, and they handled business in a jo- environment. Joshua says that with all due respect, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying it. Yes. <laughs> Take the due respect out of there. <laughs> um, it's it's not a it's it's not a good football team. I still do have these concerns about Penn State. Like I'm I'm looking at Drew Aller and and you know we're we're in the seven yards per attempt range. Yeah, it's not where you want to be. Like you know their running backs maybe ran it a little bit better today, but also did not have a run over twenty yards. They're last in the Big Ten in that category coming into today, 10th in the Big Ten in yards per play. Like, all the same things that I was seeing before I saw against the UMass team that you feel like you could have at least stretched the field on a little bit. So, again, I, if I was a Penn 63 State 63 points, you're not satisfied. Dog, I mean, listen, you're talking to a, a dude who went to a school where if you didn't win good enough, they were writing about it in the newspaper. Oh, like, we're, standards are different here. And Penn State's in that territory where we're talking about can they win a national title this year different standards when we have the conversation. So I think a lot of Penn State fans are feeling the way that Ohio State fans are feeling. They're looking ahead to next week to see what the verdict on their team is going to be. I don't really know what to say about Penn State. We know that they have a dominant defense that can suffocate you. They've got players on every level, probably potential first rounders on every single level. right? And that makes your job easier on the offensive side of the ball. You know, they got some production out of the run game today, which we've been looking for because it's been steady. Like you said, it hasn't been that explosive run game that we saw last year. And Drew Aller, there is not the there hasn't been that big play. Mm-hmm. And no. and it's been throughout the course of the season. And now I think that I'm ready for the real test. Yep. Like how much is the defense going to pl- come into play when they play Ohio State? Right. You got Kyle McCord, you've got wide receivers, you've got hopefully more healthy running backs than what they had this week. But obviously, this is a real team. This will be full combat here. And this is where you'll really be able to diagnose and see the litmus test of where this team is. Because up to this point, I mean, I haven't been impressed with them offensively. Right. But they are a complete team because defensively, they're real. And you can win with defense. I agree. Like, I'll ask the question here, but, like, would you be shocked if next week in Columbus it was a 13 to 10? No. Not at all. 100%. I wouldn't be either. Not at all. It's not going to be a shootout. I promise you that. I don't think it's going to. If if it is, I'll be shocked. In college football, we've learned anything can happen. But Mm -hmm. it feels like this is going to be a 17 to 14 to 17 to 10 type of game. I'll call right now. I don't think the over-under is in the 40s. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. it's in the 30s. Yeah, right. Next week, which is wild. Be a great game. I I can't wait to see it. Uh, So Michigan's the other one of the top three, maybe the best team in the Big Ten. They got a win over Indiana, fifty-two to seven. Michigan now has won nineteen straight Big Ten games, matching a school record they set back through nineteen ninety, nineteen ninety-two. JJ McCarthy three touchdowns. Blake Corum has two touchdowns, only running for fifty-two yards. Um, it was close early. Every game is close early. It starts out 0-0. Indiana, they had the lead, right? Jumped out 7 nothing. 7 early. My guy Jalen Lucas got a, a long we, one there. Oh, we had the double pass. That's right. The double Brought pass out all the stops. Lucas. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, and then Michigan did what, Joshua, they have done all season long and just smother 
that's I mean, it's who they are, right? There's I don't think there's anything else to say about them except for they are a team that plays the game the way they want to play it. They don't give a damn how close it is early on because they know that their plan works. They make the best adjustments at halftime out of anybody in college football. And I'm totally willing to say that because they look like a different team in the third and fourth quarter because of how just dominant they have been. Um, The one thing that I think would be a point of concern for me for Michigan after watching this one is Indiana took the fight to them in terms of being able to get pressure and to hit JJ McCarthy. He was hit more uh, today than he was hit all season leading up to this point. He hadn't been sacked in the last two games. He was sacked four times a day and three of them coming in the first half. And he put the ball on the ground Mm -hmm. as well a couple times right off of these sacks. And so if I'm Michigan and I'm, I'm trying to coach my team in a way that I'm going to create narratives about things that they need to do because they're so damn good at this point, I'd be like, that's the kind of stuff that's going to lose us games. I would harp on that. Outside of that, I don't, know, I don't know what else we're harping on. Well, I mean, it's true because it, it's kind of like this identity and what they've built is it's okay if they have a slow start because they know that eventually they're the, – their mentality is going to kick in, whether it's the second quarter or whether it's the second half. But they know who they are. They're comfortable in being a little maybe ugly early on. And then all of a sudden, they just wear you down because of their depth, because of their size, because of who they are as a, as a team in general. So, yeah, it's a good win, Michigan. I mean, they were down 7 nothing in the first quarter, outscored Indiana by 21 in the second, Woof. 17 in the third, Woof. and then 14 in the fourth. So, yes, another dominant win you get to Michigan. 52, that's a big number. Uh, I want to get out west. All right. Iowa. Oh, boy. At Wisconsin. Yeah, baby. In Madison. For I'll the west. With you. I'll For I'll the west. With you. Of all the Big Ten games, yeah. and the big, this is the – I'm going to say it. This is the most impressive win for me today why iowa going to wisconsin i agree i think wisconsin i thought i thought wisconsin was gonna win i think wisconsin's better i thought wisconsin was gonna win too i i'm gonna i'm going to push back on that and say illinois winning was the most impressive win Mm, that's a good call but you're right you're right that's a good call all right iowa winning the way that they do will rack my mind forever so i was saying iowa is the most impressive win because they I threw for thinking, 37 damn so yards. That's what I'm saying. For the last two weeks, I mean, I, I love Deacon Hell. I love him. How do you so. win that way? How, he almost, he how almost, do you win that way? You're one-dimensional. Zero. But it was the same thing, though. I mean, he completed six passes, which is a wild thing. Like, you can go two weeks in a row completing six passes yeah, just and enough. win football games. But that's why it's wild. So, so Iowa's rushing attack. They were good. Finished with 200 yards against Wisconsin. The program's most against the Badgers since 2008. They shut out Wisconsin in the first half. And they have held seven teams without a touchdown since the start of the 2002 season. This is a playoff contending defense. And it has been for the last they two should years. Win, can they I, should win can the I, defense. I mean, they should win the West. So here's, here is the scenario I keep painting in my mind. Iowa. 11-1 and one facing blank in the Big Ten Championship. They don't play Ohio State. They I don't said. play Michigan. They got boat raced by Penn State, I but it's not going to freaking matter. I said it last week. They, go, they, they could be 11-1. and one. It, it was like, well, maybe 10-2. and two, But two, now I'm going back to 11-1. This was the one that I thought they could lose that would make yes. them 10-2. and two. 237 yards of total Dog, offense. they got, I mean, they got outgained by Wisconsin by almost 100 yards. Which is a, let's be honest, 330 yards it's, it's in the game isn't great. great either. It's not great. All right, so hold on. So, okay. Is this an indictment 
on the Big Ten West, or is Iowa better than we're giving them credit for? It's an indictment on the West. Yeah. You should not – again, Iowa is a program that I do have a ton of respect for because of the way that they've gotten it done over the last 20-odd years, right? They're in, in this day and age of college football, it is unconscionable to me that somebody can win a football game with six completions and 37 yards passing. Multiple games. It's an indictment on the West. They broke a long run. LaShawn Williams broke an 82-yard run. Iowa's longest rush since 1997. Mm. Big play. They did get a big play. Big play. play. I was three. Yeah. You were th- – no, in 97, you were three? Yeah. I was born in 94. Man, I was much older than that. <laughs> you said, wait, what? I'm uh, much older than that. So I was almost is, about to start high school. Like, I, I was I in high school. Yeah, but they can keep winning. In Wisconsin, that's disappointing for your guy uh, – Luke Fickle. It's super disappointing. I got to call him. Swallow. I love him to death. I got to call him, see how he's doing. Temperature right. check. So let's go to the other game that you think was more impressive, yeah. Joshua. Yeah. Iowa going into uh, College Park. Illinois going in. Illinois. What did I say? Iowa. Iowa. Sorry about yeah. that. You're, they're on your mind. 11 They're on your mind Three, because two, they were the more impressive win. They were the more impressive win. No, Illinois going into College Park, beating Maryland 27-24, a last-second 43-yard field goal. It was Illinois' first ever win over Maryland. Our guy Luke Altmeyer threw for over 200 yards and a couple touchdowns. Talia, you know, he was pretty good. Uh, like, what was what did this game come down to for you, Joshua? I felt like this is probably the best way I can say it. I feel like Maryland screwed around a little bit, mm. right? Like, just defensively, they were leaky. Like, it didn't feel like they were getting dominated, but it didn't feel like it was a performance that they would be proud of the way that they've played of late. Um, and part of that is that you didn't have Trader in there at safety, and Tarheeb still was out of the game. And I think both of those guys are really good players. Tarheeb still is one of my favorite players to watch in this conference. I feel like they messed around, right? And, like, when they started turning it on, you know, it, it felt like, okay, maybe they could get in this thing, and it's just like, no. And, and you – yeah, basically, you, you give Illinois a chance there at the end of the game to kick a field goal, and they do, college kickers. You never know what's going to happen mm-hmm. in that scenario. But um, it just didn't feel like the Maryland team that we watched for, was it, five weeks, right? And, and then really five in, in almost three-quarters weeks, what they did against Ohio State felt like this was a team that, you know, they could win all of the games except for maybe the big three, and then here we are. Yeah, it was – it was an interesting performance because I thought Maryland would, especially with the up and down season or really the down season that Illinois had, mm-hmm. the struggles that they've had on the defensive side and also the struggles that they had offensively. They've been trying to find their identity. Brett Bielema came out this week and was like, hey, we've got to figure this out. And if it's me that's got to do it, but every one of us have to take a hard look in the mirror. But then to watch Illinois come out in the first series, go down, score a touchdown, right? And their first series in the first possession of them getting the ball was – encouraging I think to this team because in the first six games of the season they scored I think a total of 10 points in the first quarter let alone to be able to go down score then at at the end of the half to able able to get the fumble recovery go down score another put another touchdown board I mean touchdown on the board at the end of the half then come out in halftime go touchdown field goal that's an encouraging sign for Illinois because I don't think anybody anybody anticipated them 
falling to where they have this season. Yes. I thought they were going to be much more competitive on a consistent basis, but they haven't been. But to see the offense finally start to get some consistency, which they haven't had, because I felt like they've been able to move the ball, but then it's a turnover here. Yes. Or it's some stupid player yep. penalty. Yes. And defensively haven't held up like we've anticipated. But for to see them perform the way that they did today, it's good for Brett Bielema. It's good for this team in Maryland. You know, yes, I anticipated them winning, but they didn't come to play and they didn't finish yeah. out the game. Yeah, I also think uh, in terms of Brett Bielema too, there were a couple moments in that game where I thought he managed it from the sideline really well, like mm-hmm. situational football right. moments. And I've always said that I thought he was a really good ball coach. And it's just like his his roster right now is it, he's got to rebuild that thing a little bit. They lost a ton from a year ago. They did. Right, yeah. but like the idea of him being able to manage his team into – successful situations from the sideline is why I keep going back to he's a good ball coach. Right, and they're also yeah. without Reggie Love today, too. Dude, that's tough. I mean, you, you had already lost your second third backs during spring ball and throughout the course of the year or whatever it was. But then you're down to basically your, your fourth and fifth back, a freshman and a redshirt freshman. I mean, it's, and they it's, went out and performed really well, and they were still able to get the win. That's Fagan a big win there, for them. And, yeah. and he played well, and then yeah. Altmaier was the second leading rusher in the game. Yeah. So Tyler Strain played well in the secondary, too. I was watching a little bit of the game, and he had a couple of good pass defenses. So, you know, they lost a lot in the secondary. Maybe he can be a uh, part of the, the rebuild back there in the uh, defensive back area. All right, one more game to talk about. Sure. We're, we, we hope that, that Sparty is spoiler. We're gonna, I'm going to call him Spoiler Sparty because we have them against Ohio State. We have them against, we have them against Penn State. We have them against Michigan coming up Are next week. Are you actively week. rooting for a team? I, I want them to be competitive because we have them three times in our next six games. Right so we'll we need Sparty the to times. make these games. And they made it a game against Rutgers. In fact, they were up 24 to 6 entering the fourth quarter. 18 um, points, right? Yeah. So Did you say that one more time? 18 points? 18 points, right? Mm-hmm. Up 18 points. Just want to make then, sure. And uh, uh, special teams errors galore. Uh, drop snap, recovered in the end zone for Rutgers, touchdown there, and then a kickoff. They just, it was like a. The onside kick basically is what it turned into. No, it just like flew it up there, and the returner was just like, "Oh, I don't need to." Yeah, somebody else this. fair catch like, that, brother. So some huge. This, yes. this is not a punt. This is a live ball. <laughs> you need huge, to get on this. Huge mistakes in the fourth quarter for special teams for Sparty uh, cost him the game. But I'll tell you what, my guy, Kyle Manungai, I jinxed him last week by he's coming into the, the truck and being like, "He's the best running back in the Big Ten. You did. He's back." He is back to being the best running back in the Big Ten. 24 <laughs> carries, 148 yards, a touchdown, uh, six yards a carry. So, Matt, what, what do you make of uh, Rutgers coming back, showing some some uh, nerve at home there and beating Michigan State? I'm happy for Coach Chiano and what he's done with this program. I mean, obviously, when you look at the Rutgers um, program in general, you think of them as kind of the battering ram for the East, right? And you say, can they can they be able to compete year in, year out? But the start that they've had to this season, the fight that they've continued to show with maybe not the same depth, maybe not the same talent as some of these other teams. I mean, this team has got some special players. You talk about Manungai. He's been out saying, I think the defense has played well. They have. Um, at the end of the day, though, they shouldn't have won this game. Yeah, this is the Michigan. This is more on Michigan State than it is on the Rutgers playing extraordinarily well. I agree with that, but there's always a but in there. Um, I mean, you're up 18 points, but I know, and but just the idea that special teams is going to be the catalyst for you to fall apart 
leads me to say things like they were the better team because they were better in those situations. Right? They like, recovered a muff punt, they and did, then they but, didn't. But good teams good. don't muff the snap. On but the we're punt, not saying Michigan right? State's a good team. Well, I, I'm saying that Rutgers was the better coach team all along, and so they're able to capitalize on the whole season. Is all along. Okay. Sparty is finding ways they're, to lose. Yes, they're able to capitalize on that stuff. Like fighting to the end in that game, most teams would have mailed it in. You're down by 18 in the fourth. They'd have packed it up, not them. This is a team I feel like I've talked about this before. It's a race to six games for Rutgers every year. Can they, we go? They bowling? might get there. Five yeah. and two right now. It's not might. I think they're getting there. They're yeah. they're going bowling this year, and I think that's a part of their calculus too. Is like. I think they have a little bit more urgency in a situation like that than a yeah. locker room that's kind of falling apart with the interim coach and everything, mm-hmm. even though we love Harlan Barnett. It's just a tough spot. Okay. So Matt's point is that they tried to mail it in, and Michigan State didn't let them. Right, Michigan State didn't let them. And the <laughs> Somebody's other, got to fall on the, the ball the in the end, story, though. Like, the, the, the other storyline in this game also is that Noah Kim was not the starter today. It was Kaden Hauser. Kaden Hauser actually started this game and for three, three quarters, gave him a little bit of a spark, threw two yeah. touchdowns, ran another one. I mean, that was pretty good because you, there was a lot of talk. When are they going to make the switch? And they did. Yeah. And I thought he played well. There was no interceptions, and yeah. he threw the ball around a little bit. I mean, it wasn't impressive in terms I mean, of yards. 29 attempts for 133 yards. Yeah. Right, but he no. was efficient, 18 for 29. And I'm yeah. sure part of it was they're protecting him a little bit, trying to get him into a rhythm early. So. But at the end of the day, when you throw two touchdown passes, the biggest part that Michigan State has suffered from has been the turnovers, right? And so when you have somebody go in there and you're efficient and you're up 18 points going into the fourth quarter, right. you're feeling good about that, and this kid's going to develop week in and week out and continue to grow. So I'm, I'm, let me rephrase what I said about when you said – uh, oh, Rutgers shouldn't try to backtrack. I'm not trying to. It's a clarification because okay. I think Castle's right here. I guess what I was getting at is sometimes better teams win games they're not supposed to win. Mm-hmm. And I think Rutgers is a better team than Michigan State. It's fair. Yeah. Because okay. right. I think Castle was right. They're not supposed to win that, but they're cut from a different cloth right now. I'll give you that. All right. Michigan, Michigan State next week will be in East Lansing. Rivalry. Holla. I, used to, I used to live there for a while. I think it's going to be a great environment. I think it's going to be packed. I think it's going to be loud. And some bad be... blood from last year. I'm not going to bring There's up some about rivalry games, games, you know. Oh, I can't wait. You got to love it. Is there a trophy in this one? Yeah, there is. Paul Bunyan. I Paul knew Bunyan that. Trophy. I knew that. I just wanted to make what sure that you guys were on You take the record book and you hold it in your hand and you throw it out. Yeah. You don't even use it. You don't even use it. Perfect. It's a rivalry game. Joshua Perry, Matt Castle. Um, that's everything in the Big Ten, even some for future Big Ten teams. Go big or go home. We'll see you next week from East Lansing. Peace. Go big or go home. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. 
Paramount Plus, essential plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.